UFOs, Bigfoot, paranormal input. Go ahead now, get mystical. Mystery and magical. UFOs, not typical. Bigfoot, not typical. You ask me why I'm skeptical. I say questions are questionable. Is the truth alien to you? Alien to get my message through. Aliens might message you. Aliens are sliding through. The wild signal we're plotting to. Algorithms they find is true. Typical. Skeptic. Shut Got no time for no petty germs, pandemic, a pandemic turn, horror still in Amityville, Bayonet in Gettysburg, Mothman, TNT, Factory, Red Eyes, Loki, Dogman, Howling in the Street, I'm typically skeptic of what I see, Voodoo Hoodoo in New Orleans, Thunderbird, Swamp Thing, is it real, I was wondering, typical, skeptic, show, typical, skeptic, show. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Typical Skeptic Podcast. I'm really happy today. I'm fascinated to have this guest on again. I think this is the 11th time he's been on my show. He's really become a really good friend. Um, and who I'm talking about is the author, Jim Gerard. He's not just an author, he's an artist. Um, he uh, He's a podcaster because he does podcasts with me, but he and he does other people's shows too. And uh, But like he, he, he's written like three or four books now. And um, the, the, his, 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 you guys might know him for what he does, Dice Code Divination, where he, you, know, you do the dice throws. And, and we're going to explain that because he gets into it in the first chapter of the book. But that was his first book. And his new book, what you guys are looking at on the screen, is called The Matrix is the Glitch, Throwing the mon- Monkey Wrench into Pandora's Box. And it's an excellent read. I just, I just read it myself and uh, as I was preparing for this show. And, and it's just it's, it's really affordable, too. It's, uh, I think it's $2 for the ebook, which is what I got, but I'm going to get my hard copy soon because I think it's a, a book everybody has to have. And then it's $5 for the, uh, for the paperback. So you might as well just buy the paperback. I needed to, to take notes for the show, so I just bought the ebook. But I would recommend everybody buy either or, you know. But um, uh, so, Jim, thank you for coming back on my show. How are you? Good. Thanks for having me on again. Yeah. Um, so um, tell us about your, um, your, 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 you know, I'm trying to think of the word, your, your, uh, why, why am I tongue tied? Um, your, your prose for writing this or your, 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 your theory for or your, your, your ideas for writing this. Like what, what, what got you interested in writing this book? Uh, a couple of years ago, I decided I wasn't going to write a book at all because of the events that were happening in the world seemed to be happening so fast that I didn't think I could keep up with it. But then after I did, you know, so many interviews with you and I wrote out all those talking points, uh, you know, after a while I realized that the book had already been written because I had all these files of talking points that, that we used for interviews. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I it's and it's it's uh it's it's some it's great content. Like, um, and if you guys uh, see here, uh, if you look on the first chapter of the book, you'll see he puts uh, my name right in the book. It's uh he, he talks about his interviews on YouTube. Uh, and you see my name. You see the Outer Realm with Michelle DeRose shares and uh, Miami Ghost Chronicles with Marlene Pardo, uh, Keeping It Real with Michelle Carpenter and Nancy Yearout. High Road to Humanity. So shout out to all those shows. 
um, and then you start off the book with a little bit of poetry. Poetry is a big thing for you. Can you talk about that? Yeah, a uh, month and a half ago, I, I was uh, officially, uh, I became a, an international poet from a website, which is a, a you know, published <laughs> website. And they sent me a letter in the mail. And then uh, a week or so ago, they sent me another letter saying that my poem had been officially entered into a book that they're printing and publishing themselves. That's fascinating. So did you did you ever hear anything else? Do you know if you got accepted? Like, or is it, do you know if you won or? No, I don't, I don't think the, uh, the, the contest isn't over yet uh, sometime this year, but the, uh, the voting is gonna be done by the judges. Okay. Yeah, I hope you win. That, that would be really cool. And you start off the book with this poem about about Pandora's box and the Matrix. So is this kind of like what what um, it says, a little gnome sitting on a bench opened Pandora's box and threw in a monkey wrench. Pandora emerged from the box and rearranged time on the clocks. The monkey adjusted his wrench and told the gnome to go back home. Pandora said he is good as dead. The real time on the clock is working right around the block. Time to adjust your wrench is just about here. And the way to do that will be absolutely clear. Close the lid on Pandora's box until your heart's desire to reset the clocks. And then it gives and he's on, it says, the gnome got up and went back home. The lid was closed on Pandora's box. The right time was set upon the clocks. The monkey wrench, monkey got up and adjusted his wrench. And now I'm the one left sitting here on the bench. <laughs> I like that. Well, apparently they liked it too. And, uh, you know, the, kind of an unusual thing for me to, to get recognition as a poet because, uh, you know, I, I spent most of my life uh, doing artwork and uh, creating songs and, you know, doing write-ups and doing all kinds of creative things. And the, the one thing I do the least of is write poems. And that was, that was the thing I get recognized for. That's fascinating, though. I mean, I think it's really cool. Um, but So you start off the book with... Um, the dice code divination, which we've talked about many times on this show, but like, and you do this for people where, you know, they, they, you, they get the alphabet dice. It's a, it's a form of divination or, or psychic ability that you have um, that people can participate with you and where they do the dice throws. Um, then they send you the code and you uh, transcribe that code. Can you talk about that a little bit? And like, have you been doing it for many people lately? How's that going? Uh, I haven't been doing much of it lately, but over the past 10 or 12 years, uh, you know, I've, I've taught this method to dozens of people. And, uh, you know, from my observation, um, I sort of started recognizing a pattern of how they are perceiving the, the method itself. And uh, most of them think that the method is the throwing of the dice and getting the letters and then getting the words and the sentences and there's your answer. But that's that's not it. That's that's just the, the mechanical part. But the real part of it is that you're examining and, and you're observing and studying your thoughts and your desires. And then when you throw the dice, you get this letter sequence and then you get these sentences and the sentences are exactly uh, harmonious with your thoughts and desires. So, so the whole idea of learning the method is really all about observing 
your thoughts, and then the, the letters and the sentences that manifest as a result of the dice throw. So in a way, it's almost like, in a, in a way, it's a little bit like tarot in the way that it's a form of divination, but it's a, it's a little bit more advanced than tarot because it can give you a lot clearer of a message as to what your, your path should be. Is that correct? Like, yeah, yeah that's true. Uh, tarot is kind of, uh, it, it's in a fixed position. Like, like for example, uh, the magician is about magic and uh, the death card is about endings. Yeah, but all, all of the meanings of tarot cards are in fixed positions. But in the dice method, nothing is fixed because what you've got is 130 random letters and it's more fluid in the sense that uh, you can put a whole bunch of letters together and form a bunch of words and then get sentences. But the, the advantage of the dice method is you get the name of the street, the town, the, uh, the country, the state, the time, the day, the month, the year, the name of the people, uh, prediction, and uh, you also get magical names at certain points. Yeah, and it says here in the book, it's, you, you say, the strategy was to create an all-encompassing and complete access to the Akashic records in the form of encrypted words, letters, and sentences. And is that kind of, is that kind of sum it up, kind of? Yes. Uh, it, there's a story uh, behind the Bible code, which is where I get the idea, which is that on a certain timeline, there was a, a nuclear war and just about everybody died except for a handful of people. And a couple hundred years from now, which is in the future, they wrote these five books. And in those books, they encrypted letter sequences that, where you can access the Akashic records. And then they travel back in time to a couple hundred years after the crucifixion. And those five books were added into the Bible. That's fascinating. Like, what, what that's, uh, I was looking up some examples of the Mandela effect because that's going to be what we're talking about next. So, how does the Bible code relate to the dice code, to like directly? Is, does it have a direct? I mean, like, would you say correlation? Well, yeah. Uh, the Bible Code is a book that came out several years ago. It was written by a guy named Drosnin. And that's where I get the, the initial idea. But then there was a group that was trying to uh, debunk the, the Bible Code. And they were saying that, um, that they took the book Moby Dick and they ran it into a computer. And then they asked questions. And they get answers and they get predictions. And so their conclusion was that the Bible code was a hoax because they did it with Moby Dick. But my conclusion was that they didn't prove the Bible code was a hoax. They proved that if you could access hundreds of letters, you could get answers. And 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 the alphabet dice, which is what you use to to do this, does that, right? Yes. Um, it's 36 dice, right? I have them. You sent me a cut of my own. I just never have time to do the, the dice throws. But like, I, 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 I like that. Like, can you talk about how they do it? How many times do they have to roll the dice? And can you talk about how that works out? Okay, they take 26 dice. Uh, you can ask a question or not ask a question. 
and you throw the dice five times, write down the letters, or perhaps take a photo of the letters and uh, send me the five photos or send me the written out letters. And then I decode the letters and I send you the reading. Yeah, so it, what is it, what is almost, what I like about this, and I don't know if we've ever mentioned this before, is it's almost like combined intuition or combined psychic abilities because you're using the psychic ability of the reader or not the reader, but the, 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 the person who's, who's doing the dice throws and then you're using the psychic ability of you. So it's a it's like a dual psychic experiment. Is that correct? Yeah, it, it's actually a, it's a system of telepathy between myself and the person that's doing the readings. Because uh, what you're doing is you, you're drawing these uh, signatures from your subconscious mind, and they're manifesting in the letters, and and then you're sending me the letters, and then your subconscious thoughts are now entering into my subconscious and then I'm sending it back to you. But this is all in the Akashic record, right? Like this has already been recorded. Like if time's not linear, the past, present, and the future are kind of all happening at once. So, but we just don't have a perception of that. So kind of in a way that this information is all accessible. Is that correct? Yeah, the Akashic records are it's, it's like eternity where the past, present, and future are all happening at the same time. Yeah, yeah, I like that, you know? I mean, I like that idea because, you know, think about it this way. It's like, how do people um, win it, like, gambling, per se, which I'm not a big proponent of, but, like, you know, like people don't win all the time, but, you know, there's, like, a high level of intuition that goes into that. So... And in, 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 in the in the prospect of winning, you would have to know almost like, you know, like it's not, it's not just luck. I don't think sometimes like people pick things out and like it's I'm trying to think of more examples of where people use their intuition to like glean the future, um, you know, just predictions in general, you know, like Nostradamus, um, uh, other psychics, you know, like this information is available is if people can tap into it. Right. And this is just a form of tapping into it. Yeah, the, the whole idea about inventing this method was that, um, you know, if, if you had the book, the Bible Code, uh, the way to access the Bible Code is to get a CD, which you have to pay for and you have to buy it. But you also have to have a computer. So what I did was I, I bought the CD, I ran it into my computer, and uh, there was no translation from he Hebrew into English. So I, I threw the CD in the trash and I said to myself, I'm, I'm going to do it myself. And then once I, you know, develop a, a system or a method, I'll be able to teach people how to access the Bible code themselves with just some dice. Yeah, that, that's that's awesome. Now, this next chapter is uh, I, I, we're going into is the. Uh, is about the Mandela effect. And I, I really, I thought this was interesting because I was talking with, I was on Chad with Open Your Reality show the other day and they were asking me if, you know, examples of the Mandela effect because they know a lot of examples of them. So can you see my screen still? I was going to pull up some, yeah, some examples of the Mandela effect. We could go over them. Um, I, I don't know. I just picked any website, you know, like I thought this would be kind of cool to do because I know there's like the Star Wars one 
and I knew there was like the Bernstein Bears one, but I wasn't real familiar with uh, with uh, with a lot of these. Like, but can you talk about what in the what you in your idea what the Mandela effect means to you? Okay, yeah. Uh, what I was really getting at in this uh, this write up about uh, you know being erased is the idea that. Um, like I remember mirror, mirror on the wall, but somebody else remembers magic mirror, okay? So what I was trying to get across about being erased is that I, I've been erased from the timeline where they remember magic mirror. What you, you think you've been, you've actually, you personally, you've been erased? You've been- Yeah, not on that timeline. And they, they've been erased from my timeline because they remember Magic Mirror. Well, wait, I was looking at my notes and I, I'll go back to the book for this, but like you talked about the, that like CERN could have something to do with this and the Hadron Collider. Like, what do you think's up with that? Do you think that like, the, but the, I've heard that there's, to follow up with that thought, I've heard there's multiple CERNs or not, not, not multiple CERNs, but multiple Hadron Colliders. I've heard that there's multiple ones of them and there people could be doing these experiments and they're interfering with the timeline. Do you believe that's possible? I I think the CERN Hadron Collider was affecting the timelines at one point, but from what I understand it, they're, they're no, no longer able to do that. Oh, okay. Okay. But like they might have done it enough that might have caused some of these Mandela effects, possibly. Like I wanted to go over some of these. Like I, I don't remember the, the first one is Jiff versus Jiffy. I don't remember Jiffy. I that's one that I don't remember. Here's I, I remember one. Jiffy. Do, do you remember this one? Oscar Mayer versus Oscar Meyer. It says, you know the jingle, my baloney has a first name. It's O-S-C-A-R. However, the spelling of your baloney's second name is under scrutiny. Some people insist that the second lyric of the famous jingle, Mayer, is spelled with an E instead of an A. I always thought it was Oscar Meyer. And now it's Oscar Mayer. I mean, why? What is this? This is crazy. Uh, th that one, I, I don't, I don't remember how the spelling was. I never. It's, it was definitely M E Y E R. Like this is crazy. Like, um, uh, wait a minute, wait a minute. This is insane. Look at this next one, Jim. The famous HBO show isn't Sex in the City. Now it says the correct name of the show is Sex and the City. That's impossible. This, this, this is just, it, this is insane stuff. Like. This is insane. This is this. Uh, there was always Sex in the City, right? Yeah, I watch that show. Yeah, there's a, a little story in my write-up about how I was at this Christmas party, and I was talking to my my brother's wife's sister, and I and I was telling her that uh, you know these people had had a, a VCR from thirty years ago. You know they pull it out and they, and they start watching it. And it doesn't say mirror, mirror and on the wall. It says magic mirror. And and she looked at me and she said, that's impossible. And I, I said, yeah, that's exactly it. That's my point. It's impossible, but yet it's happening. It's happening all over the world. Look at this one, this next one. Number four, legendary rock band Queen's song, We Are the Champions, is usually heard at every triumphant sports moment, but it, it ends in a lot differently than most people recall. Some people swore that finger Freddie Mercury belts out of the world at the end, but in reality, the original simply ends with no time for losers because we are the champions. He did always say of the world. 
it, that's another one. That's another lie. I almost want to say these are lies, but they're not lies because like nobody's lying. They're just trying to say what it is. But it always was. We are the champions of the world. I, I, I this is amazing stuff. Like I'm so glad we decided to go over these. But we're going to go over the rest of the book for the audience. But like I just want to go over some of these. Um, uh, Pikachu's tail. I wouldn't know anything about that. I don't know anything about Pokemon. Yeah. Uh, I want to tell you something happened just a couple of weeks ago. I decided to, you know, revisit and watch the uh, Star Wars episodes, you know, the first three. Yeah. I believe it was episode five where Luke Skywalker is fighting Darth Vader and Darth Vader cuts his hand off and then he says, uh, Luke, I am your father. Okay. That, that's the original timeline. That's the real one. Yeah, but now it's saying on here, it says it on the screen, it says, no, I am your father. Right. But what I, the point I'm trying to make here is that the video that they use for this, you know, watch online Star Wars, they're using the second one where he says, no, I am your father. What do you mean by that? Like, what do you... But what I mean is they're not using the original timeline. So do you think they can manipulate the timeline? Somebody's doing it. Yeah. Look at this one. Here's uh, here's MASH. I remember the, the, uh, the show MASH. Does many MASH viewers remember the death of one of the main lovable characters, Colonel Walter Radar Riley, portrayed on Gary Berghoff. However, the character remained alive and well to his send-off episode eight seasons. Uh, JFK's car assassination... What about this one? We'll go over this one. This will be the last one because I want to get back to the book stuff. But uh, it says, even if you're too young to remember the tragedy in real time, you've probably seen the footage of JFK's assassination in history classes and read about it in textbooks. There's a common misremembering that only four passengers were in the car. The truth is the total number of passengers in the car was six. And then it goes, it tells about who. Do you remember how many drivers were in the car? I don't remember. There was two drivers and there was Connolly and his wife, then Kennedy and his wife. And it was six people. I, I know this for a fact because I was 12 years old when it happened. I remember. That's the original timeline. Here, look at this one. Meet the Flintstones. Even though you've probably heard of pronouncing or singing the name of the theme song of the beloved animated family as the Flintstones, which is, that's what I always thought, F-L-I-N-S-T-O-N-E-S. -E I'll, I'll highlight it. Okay. The actual name of this is Flintstones. F-L-I-N-T-S-T-O-N-E-S. Someone's fucking with us, Jim. Like, I was always the Flintstones. It was never the Flintstones. It, like, it kind of kind of gives you the feeling somebody's messing with you, doesn't it? It really does. I'm not even kidding. Look at this one. Kit Kat versus Kit Kat. Kit Kat may look correct to you, although you're not thinking so. However, the classic chocolate bar has never been had a hyphen in between it. I thought it always did. I'm going to see another one. Mr. Rogers theme song. You probably sung along with Mr. Rogers as he opened his show, the lovable theme song. Most former kids remember him singing, It's a Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, but the lyric player actually goes, It's a Beautiful Day in this Neighborhood. I'm not sure about that one. That one might be actually right, because I remember him saying that. Um, Risky Business, Hello, Clarice. I'm just going through some of these. Uh, 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 let me see if I can find one. Uh, another Star Wars Mandela effect has even tricked some of the most diehard fans the lovable robot sidekick C-3PO is depicted as some as being all gold from head to toe, but if you look closer, the droid's right leg is silver below the knee. Did you know that? No. Didn't know about that one. 
Oh, wait a minute. Uh, was that Star Wars? Oh, yeah, the uh, the uh, the silver leg. Yeah, that's what it is. The silver leg. leg. The silver leg was in this version of Star Wars that I watched a few weeks ago. Wow. I mean, but the original it's film, it's all gold. Uh, look at this one. This is insanity. This is real insanity. It says, you know the deliciously fruity kid cereal with the happy toucan on the box? Many people remember it as being spelled Fruit Loops. F-R-U-I-T-L-O-O-P-S. But now they're saying it's called Fruit Loops. F-R-O-O-T-L-O-O-P-S. This is, we're living in an upside down world. I, I never realized there were this many Mandela effects. This is really fucking with my mind right now. Well, you know, I grew up in the 50s and 60s. And, uh, you know, the number of times that I had Jiffy peanut butter was, you know, probably in the hundreds. Yeah. And because and you grew up in that time. See, that's that's OK. So that that's that's what that's the where it comes in is people like you and I like you've been around more than me, longer than me. So you've been been able to witness more of this stuff. Like, for example, there's one here about um, uh, you wouldn't know this one because uh I mean, my 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 mom would know this one too. Where was it? It was it was one with uh, about um, uh, Lucy. Uh, Lucy, uh, I love Lucy. It says we was never actually spelled. Okay, I'll read it. It says was never actually said on the iconic sitcom I Love Lucy that people who remember the famous catastrophe by Lucy's husband Ricky Ricardo as Lucy, you have some explaining to do. But living in a different house, instead Ricky was filmed saying. Explain that if you can, Lucy. Explain. I don't. I know it's always. I, my mom used to watch that show. I, it was always. I remember her watching it when I was a kid. It was always Lucy. You got some explaining to do. Yeah, I remember. Well, you know the the, uh, the Mandela effect is is so pronounced that the actual film itself has changed. Um. What do you mean? Like, like in Star Wars, uh, C-3PO is, has got a silver leg instead of a gold one. Yeah. You can see it right in the video. Why do you think they're doing it? Why do you think they're, they're like the change in the timeline? What do you think this is for? Like, what, what do you, if you had to guess, like, what do you, uh, what do you think this is all about? Like, I'm, I'm not exactly sure what the motive was, but uh, I saw something to the effect that uh, they had discovered that whoever was doing it made 138 changes in the timeline. Wow. And and then probably things like probably um, snowball off of that. So if they make one change in the timeline, weird things probably happen, like changes in these movies and stuff happen too. And like yeah. Kit Kat and stuff like that. Like it's probably it probably because it, it probably pre presents a different version of reality into our reality. So yeah. in, in those different versions of reality, things are different, but they're only off by a little bit. So, right. So that's why it would make sense, I think. Like that's the only thing that would make sense to me. You know, like I, yeah. I, it, it's crazy. It's in, it's it's literally it drives me insane. I, I never realized how insane it was but um the the next chapter i wanted to go over was um this one here exposing the false narrative that man created god and religion and i'm kind of going to skip past some of this because i don't 
want to give, I don't want, I'm going to, I'll let you talk about it and then, but I don't want people to be able to read the whole book tonight. I want them to buy it and stuff too. So I, I just kind of skip past it. So we'll go over the title and then we'll skip past it. And then people, I think people that should go and buy this book though, it's a fascinating book, but can you talk about that? Uh, do you want to talk about the monopole? Uh, yeah, yeah. You have that here. The frequency variance depend on location. The monopole still exists. The dipole is on your mind. Can you talk about that? Yeah. During the time of Atlantis, there was a phenomena called a monopole, which is, which means one pole, which you don't really find uh, anywhere. Like on a car battery, you have a dipole, negative and positive. But initially, you know, during that time of Atlantis, there, there was one pole of energy that was, uh, you know, pulling in the uh, cosmic energy currents from stars and planets and from the cosmos. And the, the world was much different because uh, it, there, was, there was no separation like we have now. But what happened was uh, Atlantis and Lemuria got destroyed. And we went from a monopole to a dipole. And now we're in a dipole, which is separation and duality. But don't you think like for there to be some normalcy in the world, there has to be a somewhat of a duality? Like, I don't, do you think things could be positive all the time? Uh, duality seems to be the nature of the material world. Yeah, but I, and, and also it's like this too. I don't know if I would know how to live any other way. Like if I was presented in a world that was all positive, I don't, or I don't think I would know how to react because I'm so used to living in duality. And I think yeah, most, I mean, most humans yeah. are the same way. If it was just one, like if it was just positive, uh, there'd be no resistance. You, you wouldn't, you'd never learn anything. Yeah. And I, I truly believe more, more and more that like the, this earth is a school. Like I, I was thinking that before that we were in like a prison planet, soul trap, like reincarnation thing, but I'm, I'm off that now. I think that like, whatever this is, is a little bit more benevolent. I think that we're put here for a purpose. And I think like we're meant to learn. And speaking of that, like, you know, I wanted to get your thoughts on like, if you think, and I've asked this question to many people, and if you watch my shows, you know, you know this probably. Um, I've been asking people if they think that they've lived this exact life before, because I feel like I have, and I, I get a lot of deja vus, and they've been coming more and more recently, like more than ever before, you know, and, and, it, and the deja vus coming up, and it drives me crazy, just like the Mandela effect did. Like I had to stop the other day at work, and it was actually hurting my head. Because I got a deja vu and I was like, I've done this before. And it was so strange. It was like, it was, it was like I knew I had done it before. So how could if we have deja vu, like how could that not mean that we had lived this life before? Or what do you think about that? Um boy, it, that goes into a lot of areas. Like uh one thing that comes to mind is the these parallel realities and the, this idea that there are seven versions of yourself and you're one of those seven versions. I believe that. But do you think our consciousness has access to all seven of those? Uh, our consciousness has access to everything, but in the awake state, uh, there's something preventing us from accessing 
those memories and those realizations. Yeah, yeah. There, 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 there's, but that maybe it's the, the reality that we're in. Maybe that's the rules of this reality. I, I, th I think there's a lot of elements that you know make make it up. Yeah, but I mean, it's 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 fascinating because, you know, like I, I it does seem like I mean, do you ever get deja vu's, and what do you think of them when you get them? Yeah, uh, I've I've had lots of deja vu's. Um, you know, the the running joke is uh, deja vu. Been there, done that. Yeah, I mean, if if more if most people are questioning, you would think that a lot of people think the same way, but people kind of brush it off. They they don't uh, they don't want to realize they don't want to think like, well, what is my reality really? If I'm having these deja vu's and my mind's telling me that I've done this before, usually the mind's right, the instinct is right. And yeah. I'm not saying that a deja vu is instinct, but I think all our mental thoughts are somewhat based off of instinct. And if you have, when, when a deja vu hits you, it hits you so hard that it almost feels like it's instinct or an, an instinctual memory, I, not instinct. Cause instinct can be like a physical trait. I'm talking about like instinctual memory, which I mean, like, like a, a memory that's based off of an instinctual pattern or, you know, you know, do you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, I, I think I can explain, you know, something about deja vu, which is that when you have a deja vu, and you step into eternity for about 10 seconds. Uh, the reason that you can only experience it for 10 seconds is because our nervous systems in the Western world is, is very, very much mind controlled. And your, your linear thinking in the awake state you know, snaps you back to, you know, what we refer to as reality. But deja vu is not thought of as realities. It's thought of as something unusual or unknown. But what you're doing is you're stepping into eternity for 10 seconds. You're getting that glimpse of what your reality really is, you're saying. Yeah, you're getting a glimpse of eternity. Yeah. So, okay, so to follow up on that, like, what do you think happens when we pass on? Do you think we suddenly get access to those realities and what we've been doing and other realities? Or, like, do you think they combine? Like, because there could be a reality of yourself where, or myself where I die in this life tomorrow, but then there could be another version of myself in another reality where I don't die for 20 years, you know? So it's like, when do those... I wonder when the, I know you wouldn't have the answer to this, but I'm thinking to myself, like, I wonder when those realities meet up or like, when, you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I think a basic rule of thumb is that, uh, you know, good, thoughtful people go to good places when they die. And, you know, evil people go to some very dark places. Yeah. But what do you mean? What does that mean? Like in reference to like, this up uh, like the deja the parallel realities what do you what, what do you think if you had to say okay if you if you're enlightened and you die um you, you're more apt to uh to be in a place where uh you know the, the uh the past present and future are all the same oh, okay okay i see what you're saying yeah that makes so sense. so you you could be in the spirit world for 600 years, but to you, it feels like 15 minutes. Yeah, that's it, interesting. Like, um, 
I wanted to go to the next topic here um, in your book. And I thought, I love this story, the Egyptian scryer of the magical destiny. I like this because I've done scrying before. And the chapter doesn't really talk about scrying much, but like, that's kind of what you named it. Can you talk about why you named the chapter that? Uh, the Egyptian scryer of magical destiny is my magical name. Oh, oh what, what did you, how, how did you come up with that? Or like, what's the theory behind it? Uh, the idea is uh, to come up with a name that describes my real nature. Okay. And that, and that's what you, you feel like you are, the Egyptian scryer. Yeah. Do you Have you done a lot of scrying? Like, have you tried it before? Well, uh, scrying is a form of divination. So in a sense, you, you could say that the, the dice method is kind of like looking into a crystal ball. Yeah. I have a, oh, I wanted to show you something. Check this out. Speaking of scrying, so check this out. Like, I got this the other day. And this is funny because it's a, it's a, it's a mirror, right? So it's a, it's a mirror, but like, but look at the back. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's a black mirror. The back yeah. is a black. Well, I don't know. Could you consider that a black mirror? Because it's like. Yeah, it looks black to me. Yeah, but like, okay. So you could definitely, you could use that for scrying then? Yeah, one thing you can do with a black mirror is uh, you can shut the lights off in your room where it's completely black and stare into the black mirror and uh, you might come in contact with your shadow self. That would be cool. That would be so cool. I never thought about doing that. Like, I mean, because like I, I, I don't have the patience where I've been working a lot lately, but I don't have the patience to hold this thing and look into it. But like, I might try it tonight to actually see if it does something. Like I've yeah. I've always heard I used to listen to, you know, I used to listen to Art Bell all the time. And um he used to have that witch come on. She was probably the, the best witch I've ever heard in my life. Her name was Dr. Evelyn Paglini. And uh I if I could have interviewed someone in the world, I would have wanted to interview her. She was just amazing. And she would always talk about scrying and like how you could go to like portals to other worlds and stuff through scrying. Like have you ever heard that? I've, I've heard of her before, and uh, I, I was just kind of wondering if she was still alive. No, she passed away. She passed away, I think, in like 2016 or something like that, or two, around that time, around 2016. She was, uh, she was getting up there in age. She was, uh, I think one of her last appearances on Coast to Coast were maybe I think she was on, like, right before she died, like, she was on with George Norrie or whatever, you know, like, yeah. one one thing that we got to look into is, uh, well, oh, I'm sorry, were you going to say something? No, go ahead. I was going to say, one thing we got to look into is what, what, why Art Bell died, you know, I, 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 this is completely off the subject, but I, it's becoming more and more of a theory to me that he didn't, his, the theory is that he died from prescription overdose. I don't know if you knew that, but the, that's what they said. They said that he he had, he overdosed on some pills, right? But like, I think if you listen to those last few Midnight in the Deserts that he did, especially when he had Dr. David Jacobs on, and then he did another one that's really good. It's called The Say Ray's Agenda about this with this guy, Scott Lemriel. I'm going to have him on my show. But he, he um, Art that night when he interviewed Scott, he got attacked. There was a there was a shooter outside his house, and um, and uh, and and 
it was like some stalker. Art was being stalked, and it actually forced him off the radio. He stopped yeah. doing Midnight in the Desert. And I think there's some stuff going on behind there that I don't even know if I should get into. I'm not going to get into it on here, but I can kind of put the dots together on who I think might have wanted him off the radio. And it's really shady. I, I didn't hear about the overdose thing, but that really sounds suspicious. Yeah, because I don't it doesn't seem like he would he would have killed himself. Like he had a lot to live for. You know what I mean? Like he uh I mean I could see if someone had an accidental overdose, yeah, but like he had just had a daughter. I mean, I think Asia was his daughter Asia was like I mean Art was old, but he he had a kid late in life. He had a he had a couple kids, but he had a kid late in life to his wife his wife his first wife was Ramona. His second wife, I can't think of her name. I'm trying to think of her name. Um, well, anyway, he had uh, Asia to her. And, I mean, he had a cute little daughter. Like, I don't think he would have wanted to die. I don't think he would have wanted to overdose. That just doesn't make any sense to me. It's almost, and then if you put that together with the fact that, like, when he, he stopped doing Midnight in the Desert because he was being threatened on his life, it makes me think that maybe someone took it to the next level and, and tried to off him. Yeah. Well, somebody will probably investigate it and find out. Well, that wasn't the first time that he was threatened. Like the um, the Art Bell files were actually released to the public recently um, of his uh, of his uh, threats in the nineties. When um, not when the the cabal kidnapped his son. Like th this was like a like a real case that like someone was like threatening his life, and he filed complaints with the CIA and FBI. And they released all those files. It's on like the um, the FBI declassified site. It's pretty interesting, you know. Yeah, me interview some guy that invented a time machine and uh, threw a hamster into it. Yeah, Madman Markham. Yeah, that was Madman Markham, and uh, he didn't just throw a hamster into it. He threw himself into it. He created right. some, he created some field, and, he, and then he woke up like uh, two years later or something or. I, I can't remember how it went, but um, he, he woke up and he was like living in a homeless shelter because he didn't know where he was. And uh, it, I, I, I'm trying to think if, if he would have if he would have woke up two years prior, two years earlier, how did he get back? Or I can't remember that. Or like maybe he woke up a couple weeks later or something like. Uh, from what I understood, he uh, not only traveled in time, but he wound up. Uh, 800 miles away from where he started. Okay, so maybe it wasn't years in time, because but maybe it was like maybe weeks in time, and then it was 800 miles I, away. So I, he didn't know yeah, I think it was like, I think he showed up like four years later. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, because I remember Art in interviewed him for the last time on Midnight in the Desert. That makes me want to um, go back and listen to some of those shows. I'm going to probably listen to those tonight, like, because those are really good. I was telling someone the other day about the one. Did you ever hear the one? This is a really good one. It's called um, "Into the Hollow Earth" two thousand two. It's not. It's that's the year it was. It was. It was done in two thousand two. The episode's called "Into the Hollow Earth" with um, uh, Dallas Thompson. I think I've heard of it. It's funny, man. He, it's this kid. He's a. He's a little bit wacky, but he's a. He's he's got like really like esoteric ideas, but at the same time he has this plan where this company sponsored him. Like he had just come from Hawaii where he met with this kahuna and this kahuna told him the legends about inner earth. 
And um, so he got on this quest to go on to inner earth. And he was telling Art Bell all about inner earth. And then he says that he's going to fly this thing called a solo trek into the, in the, in, from the North pole into the inner earth. Like, and what this solo trek thing was, is it was supposedly like a, like a mini helicopter, you know, like that was like built for him to do this inner earth quest, but he never did it. He had a website called cosmic manuscript. I tried to look him up to see where he was today and I can't I can't find anything about him but it's a fun episode do you remember it now no but uh I was just gonna say if uh if he had attempted to do that uh the government would have shot him down yeah, do you think they guard a portal to inner earth oh yeah definitely guarding it yeah, yeah absolutely so it's not like people, because, and they're, they're under there anyway, with the dumbs, deep underground military bases, right? You're going to hit one of those before you hit inner earth. If you take that direction. Yeah. But I mean, I think they're, I think they're more vast than we've come to know. I think they're, they're amazingly more vast. There could be a whole underground city that our government has, or, or not, okay, not our government, but maybe like a shadow government or a breakaway civilization or a shadow government that controls a breakaway civilization that's yeah. now moved underground because of fear of a cataclysm or a fear of like, you know, the, they want to control the world or, or something like that. I don't know. What do you think? Oh, boy, I'd, I'd have to think about that one. I know. It's interesting, right? I mean... Uh, uh, one, the next thing I wanted to move on to was your chapter here about the language oh w one thing we didn't get into I wanted to go back to this was um, Nicholas uh, wrote the, you wrote about Nicholas Rorick and the eye and the, and the eye of the, in the pyramid can you talk about that yeah Nicholas Rorick came over here from Russia he was a mystic and uh, he assisted the American government in designing the uh, the back of the dollar bill, which we kind of know today as the the pyramid with the gap and then the triangle with the eye inside the triangle. Oh, okay. But like, what was his meaning for it? What do you think he was? Uh, what do you think he? Uh, what do you think was his background? Well, the the original meaning of the the triangle and the eye and the pyramid had to do with the, the evolution of man. Uh, like, like, for example, the, the eye is the human looking at the material universe, and the triangle is this sacred image that represents the material universe. Does that get into, like, sacred geometry at all? Uh, only in the sense that it's a triangle. Yeah, yeah. But there's a lot, yeah, there, there's a lot more. Um, I'm just reading through this. I, I didn't want to read a lot of it, but this is really good stuff right here. Where you're talking about the goddess Kali and um, these ancient these puja ceremonies, and and uh, I mean, do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, back then, uh, you know, the demons they uh, they did severe austerities uh, in some cases for thousands of years. Uh, like for example, there was, there was this one guy stood on one leg for a thousand years, was chanting to Lord Brahma. And then when when Lord Brahma showed up, uh, he asked him for all kinds of mystical weapons and blessings and boons. And he got everything he wanted. 
And then, you know, later on, he wound up conquering the universe. Oh, wow. That's cool. That's interesting. Um, uh, and then one last time, like, how did you get this? How did you come up with this name, Egyptian Scryer of Magical Destiny? Is that because you have a background in magic, too? I've, I've done some magic, like um, I've done a couple of spells that actually worked. Uh, at one point, I, I did an invocation of Satan, and that, that, that one was successful. What, 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 did, what did you, okay, because do you think Satan, Satan's obviously not real, right? I mean, like, it was, a, you mean like the, the archetype, or did you think he was, you think he is real? Oh, he's definitely real. I mean, what, what comes, what makes you draw that conclusion? Well, I, I kind of realized at one point that I really didn't know anything about Satan because all the perceptions that I had about him were all superimposed upon my mind from external sources. So I wanted to invoke him and ask him to show me his real form. And what was his real form? Well, let me tell you the story. Uh, after after I did the invocation, um, it, there was a guy living below me by the name of Larry, okay? And Larry was this great big guy, and he was a bit of an alcoholic. And, uh, you know, one day he came up to me and asked me to borrow some money. And uh, it turns out that he had been on a bender, he had been drinking, he ran out of money, ran out of booze. So I gave him 20 bucks and I thought to myself, oh, he's not going to pay me back. He's, he's an alcoholic. But two weeks later, he paid me back. And then a couple of weeks after that, uh, he borrowed money again. So I give him another 20. I point my finger at him like this and I'd say, all right, you're going to quit drinking this time, right, Larry? And because he said, yeah, yeah, I'm going to quit. Okay. So, so then I went down to the supermarket and I'm standing in line. Here comes Larry. Now the thing about Larry is every time he saw me, he went like this with his hand and he said, hey, brother, you know. So here comes Larry. I'm standing in line and he walks by me and he puts his hand up like this, but he doesn't say anything. And I thought, wow, that, that's unusual. He, he always does that and says, hey, brother. You know, so I get in my car, I drive home, and I'm taking the groceries out of the bag on the table, and there's a knock on the door, and it's Larry. So Larry says to me, can you give me a ride down to the supermarket? I says, what are you talking about? I was just there 10 minutes ago, and I saw you there. And he went like this. He goes, that wasn't me, that was my doppelganger. <laughs> I said, what's a doppelganger? He said, a doppelganger is your evil twin. That's, and so that was, Satan was showing himself through Larry, is what you're saying. Yeah, what I'm saying is the guy at the supermarket was Satan. Well, do you think that like Satan, if he's, a, if he's like a supernatural figure, he can like, like show up in anybody, like almost like, um, like Al Pacino and, and um, the devil's advocate. But like, also I was thinking like, maybe if this Satan is a real figure, maybe it could be like an ancient Anunnaki type person from, you know, way back that like, 
has lived through all this time that people have written about and they call him Satan. Like, I thought that came from Shatan. I thought that was like, there was like a Lord Shatan or something like that. Have you ever heard of that? Yes. What is that? If you don't mind me asking. It's the original name of Satan. Oh, okay. But, you know, the, the point that I'm trying to make here is that I don't see Satan as an evil being. I just see him as an entity that I, I asked him to show me his true form, and he showed me what he looked like. Yeah. So you got the you got the real I the real he's like so you you think he looked a little bit like Larry? Well, he he appeared as Larry uh, to to let me know that he was fulfilling my desire. Okay. Oh, let me, let me get back to this because this is this is what so what what spells work for you? Like which spells can you honestly say really work for you? Or if you can't remember, that's fine. But like I was just trying because like. I, I've tried to do sigils before and they, they haven't worked. I thought one backfired on me. I, I really did one one time and I put a lot of intent into it. And uh, I realized afterwards that I was doing that for all the wrong reasons. So I think that like the, the world was trying to tell me something, you know, because I yeah. went into work and I lost my job the next day. And I, and I, I started to think, I was like, what did I do wrong? And I was like, oh my God, I did that sigil. But that well, was when I thought magic was evil. I didn't know a lot then. Yeah. Uh, I, I had some success with doing a spell with Saint Expedite. What's that? Well, Expedite means uh, making it ha happen more quickly. And uh, the reason they call him that is because uh, he, he was like a, uh, he was a warrior. He was a, uh, a Catholic warrior and uh i guess he kind of rebelled against the church and they they killed him and uh you know i i found out about him and i did a spell uh asking for, for some money to fix my car and a couple other things and uh what happened was uh when i drove to the dentist's office and i stepped out of the vehicle there was uh 62 cents and coins sitting on the ground. Where, wait, what was it? 62 what? 62 cents in coins sitting on the ground. Oh my yeah. God. That's expedite right there. Yeah, I pulled them up. I, I wanted to see, like, it, it looks like there's like a novena prayer that people can do here. That's like, yeah. He, was, uh, uh, he died. He was actually a person. He died 300. 3 AD in Malaya, Turkey, it says. Yeah, this, this is a really good saint for you to, uh, you know, uh, make a request and do like a, make an offering. Of, uh, he likes coins. You can offer him coins. Uh, you can offer him wine. Uh, you know, th there's instructions on how to do the spell. And, uh, you know, you just, you just ask him and, uh, you know, you ring a bell and you say, Hody, hody, hody. That kind of means something that you know you're addressing him in some sort of way. It, it was it was really a fun experience. Look here's look at this link. It says here, have an emergency, seek the aid of Saint Expedite. Like yeah. And then there's a YouTube video. It's like 
powerful saint expedite emergency prayer on uh on on youtube i'm i might i'm gonna click on that later i'm gonna see i'm gonna check it out like no mess up the stream or you know and then there's another one quick powerful prayer to saint expedite this is this is fascinating like i never i never knew about that it says saint expedite likes red gold shiny and sweet things and you make right. a simple offering of a fire candle then a payment with water and flowers yeah Maybe we can click on this and check it out. I don't know if my internet's going to move slow. I'm gonna, I'll click out of this other thing if I can. But um, I think this is cool looking this stuff up. Like, uh, one, oh, this is the website, wonderingoracle.com. I wonder why my internet's like exactly like dial-up. We'll move on to the next thing. We'll come back to that. The next yeah. chapter that you had was language of the birds, the uh, original language of Adam and Eve. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, there was a uh, healing uh, language that was spoken by Adam and Eve, and uh, I I believe that this language was was uh, either carried on to or revised by the Cathars of France around the 12th century, and uh, the the Catholic Church didn't didn't like the fact that they had a language where they were able to you know produce some healing effects just from the language. So um, Catholic Church sent out about 20,000 stormtroopers with swords and they killed all the Cathars except except for a handful of them. And the uh, the language of the birds, I believe, was from that point hidden inside of a cave or a mountain somewhere. Oh, that's cool. That's interesting. You know, they say the grays talk like birds. They say they chirp. They they actually do like chirping noises. Have you ever heard that? No, I never heard that before. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Like I, I've even heard it. I've heard like they do like a like a weird like chirping noise. I wonder if that was like well, that makes me go back to the Tower of Babel story where it says uh, they were building a Tower of Babel, which makes me think they were trying to thinking they were escaping the simulation. And the, the Tower of Babel could have been something more complex than just a high tower. It could have been some kind of advanced technology to try to get people off planet, I think. And then I don't think God did something. I think maybe the gods, plural, did. Maybe they uh, divided men up, and then that's when they created language. And that, that's when all these different languages became more prevalent. And once there were more languages, there were more wars, it seemed like. I know I'm just drawing conclusions, but that's kind of what it seemed like to me. What do you think? Yeah, my understanding of the Tower of Babel was that it was a landing port for UFOs. Oh, okay. That's interesting. I never heard that. That's cool. Well, it makes sense. It was it was way up there, and it, you know, if it was flat on top, then that would have been a place for them to land. I wonder if technology was really more advanced back then. I wonder if like the if not just like the. I think that that was like, you know, I'm talking like before 6,000 BC, like, but right, right around the time of Samaria and then even leading up past that, like even in the, the, yeah. like the, the Persian Greek times, like, I think that was a time when the gods walked amongst men. And I think the technology might've been a little bit more advanced. I just think we got wiped out by a cataclysm and only a certain amount of knowledge survived. The reason that technology was more advanced is because it was organic. What do you mean? Like, well, you know, they used crystals. 
Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard about the red crystals in Atlantis and stuff like that. A lot of people talk about that, right? Yeah. That's interesting. Man, um, man understood uh, the uh, magnetic currents that flow through the Earth, and and they used crystals. Everything they did was, was organic. It was natural, whereas, like, now yeah. it's... Uh, it's everything's kind of like kind of genetically modified, you know, like in our society now. It's like it's uh, it's weird. Um, I'll go over the next chapter. We we talked this a lot of this is stuff we talked about on past videos. I remember, like, but I have a new audience, so they might not have saw those videos. So this is fine. But yeah, all all of, all of these talking points are uh, uh, the the basis for interviews that we did in the past. That's cool. So we're kind of covering them all again, like like you know, in one wrap up kind of. Yeah. I, like that. Um, I remember dude, us talking about this, the uh, the hidden cones that are found in the stone of Orion. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I did a reading, and uh, uh, it just stuck with me for about ten years, and uh, I just kept wondering about what it meant, and that I uh, I know this psychic from Europe, and I asked her about it. And she said that Orion spelled backwards was noir, N-O-I-R, which means black. And then she went on to explain that the uh, the black race had all of the uh, that the secret knowledge, you know, tucked away in the in their culture. I, w I wouldn't be surprised. You know, that could be possible. You know, um, this next topic is. Uh, it really interesting. I don't think we talked about this before. Memory crystals catapult higher self-awareness? Yeah, I'd have to read that whole chapter just to remember what that one was about. It's about, it says memory crystals can be quartz crystals or water, which is able to retain memory as it vibrates life force. If you're unable to remember anything, you may be able to function in a thinking mode, but there are no references to who you are and when you've been and what you've done and accomplished. In this state of amnesia, there is no integration back to your original state as a person. So it just goes into talking about DNA and uh, this is, that's an interesting, I'll save that for people to read. So guys, you got to get the book to read that one. And uh, I'm going to see what else, what other chapters in the book here. I'm kind of skipping over some stuff because I don't have, we can't talk about that because it's Corona and I can't talk about, I shouldn't even have said that on here, but oh, and this, it, well, so we've been going about an hour anyway. So this talks a little bit about, I skipped through chapters. You guys got to buy the book to see that. And that's not, uh, that's not a, um, a hard uh, reach for, it shouldn't be because it's $2. Like you guys can do that. Like I, some people get pissed because I do Patreon. They're mad. Like I, I swear to God, like I, for as much free content as I put out, I put out a video every day for someone to watch. And then somebody actually messaged me the other day and said, I'm unsubscribing to your channel. I can't believe you started a Patreon where you're charging people. I was, I was like, well, don't join. You don't have to join. It's just like, yeah. do I have, am I not allowed to do anything? Do I have to just put out everything free and like be a pauper for the rest of my life? I mean, it's like, I just change the channel. I don't even make money. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, I don't know. So, I mean, like it's, I should be able to do something I don't know, but, but sorry, but, but so I, I've kind of been a little bit upset about that. Like I, it was only one person, but still like, it just kind of, you know, rubbed me the wrong way, you know? Is it possible you could scroll down to the artwork? 
Uh, yeah, I, I, it's, it's, it's on the next pages. Let me go to the next pages. But was this a song you wrote? You, you did a, you did. Oh, it's a, it's a song called "In the Glitch." Yeah, I, I, I wrote down a bunch of lyrics of songs that I wrote. That's cool. Oh, so you want to go some, to your artwork? There's some links you can go. You can go listen to the songs on SoundCloud. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's cool. I'll go listen to. Wait, you want me to pull it up? Are you? Where are you at on? Oh uh, no. I, I'd rather get down to the artwork. Okay. Okay. There's some poetry here. There's a, a we're down to so you guys, if you get the book, you're gonna get a whole bunch of poetry as well that Jim's wrote. One's called the Bardo. All esoteric. Oh, I like that picture. That's cool. Um, can you explain that picture? That's interesting. Yeah, that that picture was taken before COVID. Oh, okay. Oh, okay, I I see. I like that. Um, illuminations day September thirteenth. Um, let me see where uh, this goes into more of the book. Um, and this is some dice code stuff. This is like if you guys do the dice code with Jim, if you message him and you decide to do the dice code, you'll get a message like this. These are like the dice code readings. These are poems. So you'll get more poems. This is a this is an awesome book you guys gotta get. We're going through, we're skipping through a lot of it. Oh wait. I missed one. Is this is this is this your artwork here? Yeah. Wow, you did that's amazing, Jim. Holy shit. That's really professional, man. Wow. That's like that's insane. Yeah, I wanted the, the book to be more like a biography. Yeah, I mean, I see why, man. This is awesome. Like, you, some of the artwork you've done is amazing. I'll keep going. Wow, that, that's a very detailed pencil sketch, Jim. Your artwork's insane. Do you sell your artwork? No. Oh, wow. I spend all my time doing it. <laughs> It's I like this uh I like this pencil sketch here. It's amazing, man. This is like I just want to take it in. Like this is really good stuff. Um wow. This is fascinating stuff, man. Wow. Oh, I love that, man. Especially because I took edibles tonight. So I'm looking at this right now and it's tripping me out. Like, oh my God, what is, can you explain this mandala? Yeah, I, I just like, uh, you know, things that are colorful and geometric and the, these sketches that you're looking at here, very easy to draw. Like I, I can do an entire one in, in 24 hours. Wow, that's cool. That's, these are really cool. Um, mandala two, mandala three. I like that eye. That's cool. That's really cool. Uh, I like that the black sun picture. That's cool. We we used that as a cover to a video before this this right one. I used that as a I used that as a cover to one of our videos we did. Uh, can you explain this painting here? Yeah. Uh, what I, what I was trying to get across there is kind of like the uh, the insanity of all these things that are going on in the world 
And up towards the top, you have, uh, you know, Lord Krishna. And uh, he's holding the world up with one hand. And in the other hand, he's, he's got prayer beads. That's cool. I like that. I, I like that. And then, like, you got the Sphinx on the bottom. Um, what's the, what is some of that other stuff, like the double eagle and stuff like that? What is that? Uh, the double eagle is uh, some sort of uh, Illuminati symbol. It's actually the sign for Ninurta, too. Like, Ninurta was the um, Anunnaki son of Enlil. Um, and Enlil was the eagle, and then Ninurta used the double-headed eagle. It was also the crest of Rome. They, they used the double-headed eagle, and um, I think even into Turkey or Constantinople used the double-headed eagle. Everywhere in history where there's been, like, a warring empire, it's always been an eagle, you know? Whereas, like, wherever you see the serpent has been, like, serpent knowledge, like, where the, like, the clan of Anki could have possibly went, or Thoth, or Anki, you know, like, that's all serpent knowledge. And then there was a war between the eagle and the serpent. And there's all these countries that, like, you wouldn't believe it, how many countries have an eagle on their crest, but then how many countries have a serpent on their crest. And, and, and it never fails. If you look it up, do look it up when you, when we're done with this. Like, you might already know this, and if you do, you know, okay. But, like, if you look up, like, countries with the eagle, um, you know, and we happen to be the eagle too, America, but we are a warring empire. But every every eagle nation has a warring empire, and every um, serpent no, country has a is like a, a knowledge. Did you know that? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I will go to the next painting. Um, where where's the? This is a cool one here. I like this one. Yeah, that one is titled uh, "Talk Between Worlds." Yeah, that's cool. The the the, the red lettering that you see on the top of the uh, the that doorway there, uh, that comes from a book about uh, magic that was written by a sorcerer. And oh, that's cool. Those those letters translate to talk between worlds. Oh, I love that. That's awesome, man. I'd love to get that painting. Because that like that shows like everything like that you do like that I'd like to have that that's really cool, like you know like it has the dice from the dice code divination it has like the the Hindu stuff it has like the gods it has UFOs, you know like it has the palm the palms are shown the palm you do palm readings for people that don't know so like when the it's, he's throwing out the dice it's showing his palm it has Saturn it has pyramids. It's it's amazing. I love that. I mean, I I love that. That's amazing. I, I really like that a lot. Okay, what's what's this one about? Like, uh, if you don't know where you're going, any road will take you there. Okay, that's cool. And who's this woman? That's Louise. Oh, okay. Is that like a female companion of yours? Yeah, a friend of mine. Oh, that's cool. Um, just other friends of yours? Yeah, Katie is uh, someone that we know, and then Georgia is my brother's daughter. Oh, okay. And then more family? Fre friends of mine. Oh, okay. Um, what, um, these are more your paintings here. These are amazing. What, 
is uh, what about this? This is a weird one. But the dinosaurs, I like that one. And Frank, and it's like a Bigfoot creature and a unicorn. And then a guy looks like he's doing sit-ups or something. And then, yeah, that's me. What is it? The the guy in the in the drawing. That's me. Oh, okay. And then there's UFOs and like that's a cool one. And a volcano. I like that. And it's really cool. Oh, these are cool. Put that can of raid down with your hands up. <laughs> it's a big insect. Like <laughs> I like that one. That's hilarious. And what's this one? The, the dog with the hat on? No, it's a hippo. Oh, okay. That's Adolf Hippo. Oh, I like that. There's a lot of deep meaning behind that. There's a lot of... And can you talk about these? The Hans Hamsterstein. <laughs> Just like a character you made up? Yeah. Nazis. The Donald, oh, that's hilarious. People would love that, you know. You do, do you have these on a website? You should put these on a website. Yeah, they, they are on a website. What website are they at? It's it's in the beginning of the book. Oh, okay. Drip painting one, drip painting two. Dream that the original sketch, my computer's not loading for some reason. Well, we're at, oh, it's out at the end, I think, anyway. We're, it says yeah, location 862. Oh, is that it? Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, that was fascinating. Um, can you, can you, that was, that was fun, Jim. We've been going about an hour and seven minutes. Um, do you want to tell everybody where they can, thank you, by the way, that was cool. And um, do you want to tell everybody where they can find you and where they can find the book? And Yeah, they, they can uh, find the book on Amazon and, uh, you know, if if you put a link to my Facebook page, uh, they can contact me there. And if they want to learn the dice method, they can send me uh, two photos, one of each palm, and I'll, I'll get a palm reading started. And that that's how I do it. Okay. All right. Well, I'll send you a copy when, or I'll send you a link when I upload it. Yeah, I I just ordered five copies of the book myself. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I'm gonna pass them out, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a cool idea. Like, um, it's it's really cheap, guys. It's like uh, for the people that are gonna be watching this, it's five dollars. And if you can't afford the five dollars, then the two dollar one is the the ebook. So you can always have the ebook, right? I mean, did you specifically make it that way so people could afford it? Yeah, I I wanted the price to be real low so it'd be affordable. I like that, you know. You know, like, yeah, the Kindle, uh, you're getting all the color in the Kindle, so it, in some ways it's actually better. Yeah. Oh, that is cool. That's cool. Yeah. All right, Jim. Well, thanks, and uh, I'll, I'll be talking to you soon when we do our next one. Yeah, th this is the first time I did an interview about my book. It's cool. It's cool. I'm going to upload yeah. it. I'm going to put it out tomorrow. All right. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Jim. All right, thank you. All right.